Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and I am thrilled that you are here listening again. This has been so much fun over the last, you know, several months here as we've gone one episode after another, and you and I have got to share some time together. We've talked about a wide range of things, and things are changing rapidly out there in the Kickstarter space, in the board game space, in um, the economy, in in the world. And it is exciting to be together with you as we talk about all of these different topics. If you have something that you'd like me to talk about, if you have a guest that you think would bring something incredibly valuable to you, my listening audience, feel free to reach out. You can find me on Twitter. That's the best way to do it, at Richard Bliss. And just let me know who you think out there would be a great guest to have on the show. Because as you know, I don't know anything, but it's my guests that bring incredible value. Speaking of guests, let's go to my guest. My guest is a uh, good friend of mine that I've known for a couple of years. He has a Kickstarter campaign that's about to launch. He's had one successful one, and he's had a game published in between that he actually didn't put on Kickstarter. So I want to welcome Mark Spector to the show. Mark, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It is uh, kind of an odd dream fulfilled to be here talking to you. Oh, stop, stop. (laughs) It is fun because I do hear that from a lot of people that – I tend not to listen to the podcast myself, although I do on occasion when I'm editing, obviously, and I have grown very comfortable hearing my own voice, which most people, and I was one of those, it's a very awkward experience to hear yourself. But you've listened to the show before, right? From the very get-go, from episode one. I'm, I can't remember if I actually was on board from the beginning, but I definitely went back. To the beginning, and I have listened to every episode. Yes. And now we're approaching. I think uh, you're going to be in the episode. I don't know what number this is going to be, but the 200, closely approaching 300, episode 300. And if you think about it, that's 300 episodes at 20 minutes each. That's 600 minutes. How many? That's 100 hours. No, is that 100 hours? Yeah, I think so. Holy and you did cow. your math correct. Holy cow. Never do math live on, on, uh, on air. That's why I always say. But I think I got it right that time. And what's amazing is that many of you, Mark, you included, but many of our listeners, you have been with us through all of this. And I have to tell you, I appreciate that. I have had many – Mark, you and I met uh, face-to-face at Grand Con uh, two mm-hmm. years ago. And I've had so many people come up and just share with me what they do while they listen. They're knitting or they're washing the car or they're sculpting or they're working or they're working on their projects or gardening or they're out jogging or they're, there's all these different things that people have shared with me of what they're doing when they've invited me and my guests like you into their lives. And it has been very touching to hear all of that happen. So it's been kind of fun. Well, it's because you provide great content. A long, long, long time ago, you threw out I don't think it was on Twitter because I wasn't a Twitter person. I'm still not a Twitter person. But you had said, what do you like about the podcast? And look, I know you. You don't do anything by accident. I'm sure when you created this podcast in all its aspects, you knew what you were doing. I mean, what you created. But, but the, the people you have, the duration of the podcast, your audio quality, I mean, all of those bring the podcast to a place where it's uh, the sum is greater uh, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Well, I appreciate that. We'll try not to dispel, dispel that that illusion. Um, <laughs> coming up, when we started the show, it was really, I mean, it's hard to, um, there's so much good quality content out there now um, on Kickstarter, about Kickstarter, about board games, about 
podcasting. There's just so much out there. But when I started, I really drew my inspiration from Chris Kirkman over at Dice Hate Me Games and the podcast, the state of games that he was doing. I had never done a podcast before, but I felt that there was a need to make it short, to the point, and teach something uh, that people could have useful in their lives immediately as a takeaway. And so that was always the key piece there. And I keep my ears and eyes out for those people I feel that can make a contribution to to the listeners that can teach and help and inspire. And so that's why you're here. Yep. I like, I appreciate that. But you know, it's funny that you bring up Chris because when I began my Kickstarter for Unreal Estate back in September and obviously the planning for it well before that, it was Chris to whom I reached out, um, both asking him to be my graphic designer as well as to be my sort of project manager because I knew I could pull everything together. But you know, when you're a ship sailing in the night and you're on your first voyage, it kind of helps to have the experience of someone who's been on the water before. And Chris had been there, done that, and done it successfully time and again. You know, that brings up a good point. It's time to have Chris come back on the show and uh, share some of those insights because I, I agree. He taught me so much. He, he basically taught me about Kickstarter. Um, before the podcast started, I spent hours on the phone with him uh, talking about ex- having him explain to me the concepts of how it worked. And I realized that there was something here that I could contribute a little bit and share. And so it's, it's great. I, we need to have him back on the show. So I'm going to make that a note to self. Have Chris come back <laughs> on the show. Let's talk about and you. Sure. It's, you are, you have full time a game company called Gamer, no, Grand Gamers Guild. And yes, the, you just mentioned you had a Kickstarter campaign go live last fall. Mm-hmm. That hits, I think you said it comes off the boat at the end of May. We're recording this yes. right towards the end of May, so we're just about a week away. You launched – no, you didn't launch a Kickstarter campaign. You, you published another game in between that. What, one was that. what was that one called? That one's called Stroop. Stroop. It's based, yep. It is and, a sort of mental perception game based on the Stroop effect, which is uh, – Kind of a mental hiccup, a processing hiccup. You want to explain that? What's the Stroop effect? Sure. So the best way, I think, to explain the Stroop effect is to uh, give an example of it. So if you are looking at the word blue, and the word blue is written in the color orange, your brain takes an extra heartbeat to process exactly what you're seeing versus what it says. Um, And so it's a game that plays with that concept. It's a real-time game. Get rid of all your cards based on the color of the word, the... uh, font that it's written in, whether it's capital oh or lowercase, hollow ter- or solid. I do terrible at that. Oh, you can get good. Trust me. This is one of those that uh, you know you can get good at. I've become very good at it. So. You know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about getting good at something. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks at now double speed. I go one and a half speed. And so, well, and, and, and what's interesting is that I had introduced somebody to, uh, to podcast listening, and they came to me and they said... Why does everybody talk so slow? <laughs> I think the same thing. And I said, yep. well, you know, they're just talking. And they, no, she's like, no, no, they're really talking slow. And, I, and, and she was quite insistent. So I said, let me see your phone. She had hers set to half speed. Oh, my God. So that's hilarious. everyone was talking like this. And that is how she had been listening to podcasts like four or five podcasts that she said, somebody said it was only 20 minutes, but it took 40 minutes. Yes, because she was listening <laughs> at half speed and didn't realize it. But I've discovered that over time, you can get better and better. I went to one quarter speed, one half speed. Now I'm up to two times speed. And what a difference it makes. But this Stroop effect is interesting. I remember the children's game. Uh, well, it wasn't a game. It was you'd walk up to somebody and say, 
you know, spell stop three times fast, right? S-T-O-P, S-T-O-P, S-T-O-P. What do you do at a green light? Uh, uh, go, uh-huh. right? Yep. I guess that's the Stroop effect. Um, I'm not sure that that is the Stroop effect directly, but it definitely is an illustration of sort of a, your brain getting into a men- mental groove and then having to break out of it. Got it. And, and, and Stroop definitely plays with that, what your eyes are seeing and how fast your brain can process it versus what's actually there. Do you know, I have read that when it comes to game playing, particularly game playing, that you should pick different colors, sit in different places, because otherwise your brain starts to um, get into those grooves and those tracks. And by changing the color of the token or meeple that you play with will cause your brain to actually lay down new pathways of thinking and critical problem solving and not fall into normal... Uh, just a, a, a routine. Like everybody wants to play red and they play red every time, but if you change it up and play green or blue, it causes your brain to actually change. So something to think about. That is very interesting. I will, I will have to uh, implement that. Go see what happens as long as you don't mind losing to your wife because women seem to be <laughs> much better, better at it than uh, men. Let's talk then about your next Kickstarter ca- project that's coming out, which is called Pocket Ops. Yep. Pocket Ops will be game number three from the guild. And that goes live here at June 6th. June 6th. Uh, speaking of wives, that's my wife's birthday. So what better day to launch Kickstarter campaign than on my wife's birthday? Happy birthday to her. And I have had the pleasure of meeting her, and she is a wonderful lady and puts up Thank with you. a lot when she's being married to you, obviously. So, <laughs> right. She really, she really does. She does. So this Kickstarter campaign, it's interesting, uh, Mark, because you launched a Kickstarter campaign. You raised – you talked about you and I talked about earlier that you had had money set aside. You'd saved up money to launch to launch this game company and this uh, game, raise some money. But we talked about kind of the breakdown. Let's talk. Let's let's do that. Let's share with people real quick, kind of where the money went. Uh, and in your case, I had Isaac Childers on here so, uh, from Gloomhaven, so we're not talking about four million dollars. For Gloomhaven, yeah. we're talking about a much more modest, and I would say much more realistic amount of money. You raised how much money for uh, Unreal Estate? Uh, we had a five thousand dollar goal, and we hit uh, just above twenty eight thousand dollars. Which anybody's going to say that's a success? Although nowadays, I'm, always... I'm pleased as punch. Sure, that was fantastic. And so let's talk about then where that kind of money goes to make a game like Unreal Estate. Sure. So. I mean, I, I'm a big planner. Budgeting, spreadsheets, lists, checking boxes really just makes things wonderful. Um, and so I, I thought I knew where all the money was going to go. But then, you know, when the rubber meets the road, things have to happen. Um, so, I mean, first and probably foremost that people think about is the actual physical production of the game, um, which is being done by a company called Bang Wee in China. Um, and that cost... I would say probably around $9,000. How many units so, did you produce for that $9,000? Um, we produced 3,500 units, and most of them in English, but a small subset in German. Got it. Um, that are going, and actually are already in Germany. Did that raise the cost significantly? No, there was a small uh, upcharge for the reset fee, and then I did have to pay, my gra- I did have to pay Chris, graphic designer, to um, take the German translation and put that into all of the existing templates. Got so it. there is some money there. But there's a great example of something where I almost forgot to mention, where you flip a switch, do something simple by creating a foreign language translation, and then there were two other costs associated with it that wouldn't even have thought of as a possibility when I went into the option of uh, producing a game. 
And so then, so that was about nine thousand dollars, thirty five hundred copies. How many mm-hmm. how many copies went into distribution versus how many copies went straight to Kickstarter backers? Well, um, I have about thirteen hundred copies that are going to Kickstarter backers. Um, I believe I will be having um, a couple hundred copies go to one of those uh, of the month uh, board game box services. Got it. And um, and then that would leave me. So let's see, thirteen hundred. Don't do math live on uh, on recordings. That's my rule. <laughs> Fair enough. Let, let's just say solidly a good fifteen hundred to two thousand copies will be making their way to distribution. Got it. And and you use uh, impressions Aldo Giazzi for your distribution, and so yes. he'll, he'll put that out there. And he talks about that a lot. That long tail of getting that into distribution because you'll start to see some money come back, but that money doesn't come back for a while. Correct. And let's talk about. Um, you know what you something that I'm just, I just lucked into. I mean, Aldo's a popular guy. He's been in the industry a really long time, yep. and he has no shortage of people, as he has expressed on the podcast, banging down his door trying to get into distribution. Now, Aldo happened to have been a guest of mine at the convention. He become, he's become a personal friend. I saw him at the Gamma Trade Show in Vegas, and I was fortunate enough to be able to get him to take me into distribution. But you know. It wasn't an easy decision for him, I'm sure, you know, because there are games that I'm sure have done bigger numbers and will do better numbers. And I just appreciate the heck out of the fact that he was willing to pick me up. My games are physically small. My production run is not huge. It's not going to take a lot of room in his uh, warehouse. Um, But had I not been able to get a distribution, I would not have produced that many copies, making my overall costs go down, but my per unit costs go up. Right. And then the long tail of getting that money back, because then you... So nine thousand of that went into the production, and backers got you know a little over a thousand, couple hundred, uh, you know fifteen hundred, twelve hundred, twelve hundred, and then about another fifteen hundred going to your um, distribution. There were other costs then associated with that. Where, where did oh, absolutely. The, where did those other costs come from? Well, I had to get the product from China to the United States. Uh, that was a couple thousand dollars, and I still have yet to actually ship the product from my own personal fulfillment out to the backers. Um, that cost is kind of unknown right now. I mean, I, I have a rough idea, but it's a, a very wide, um, you right. know, let's say anywhere from three to $6,000. Um, that's a pretty, pretty uh, broad scope. And then, um, and then, of course, Kickstarter took a couple thousand dollars because they're the um, you know, premium platform, right? that's and that's what they, what they do. do. Right. And then you, so also between, ra- you also ran some advertising for your campaign as well. Did you feel yes. that that was, uh, that was worth it? Well, you know, there's an interesting question where the que- you know you have to look at an expense as it reflects the project and as it reflects the company. Because I'm working on two things here. I'm working on getting a game into people's hands, but I'm also looking at the the broader imprint of my brand and my company on the minds and hearts and tables of gamers. So, um, so yes, I did do some board game geek advertising. From a project standpoint, it was monetarily probably a wash. Got it. Um, but from a brand building standpoint, um, the people who now follow Grand Gamers Guild, follow a particular title, you know, press the little heart button on the pro- on the uh, on the game. It's hard to measure those things, but but I think it was well and truly more. Uh, I got more. I got my money's worth. That's what I'm trying to say. I got okay. my money's worth. Got it. Okay, and so. Th- then you made the decision at that point because one of the things we talked about, it's a very hard, especially with just one game without even hitting distribution yet. Seldom do you actually draw a living wage from your mm-hmm. Kickstarter campaign. In your case, you took that money and turned around and then reinvested it in Stroop, right? 
Yes. So Unreal Estate is a very beautiful game. Uh, the artist Corinne Roberts is a local woman. Her talents are unbelievable. Um, and so it's very visual. You could put that up on a screen and people can look at it and go, oh, wow, this is fantastic. Stroop, Stroop is brilliant. Um, Jonathan Chaffer is whip smart and I love the game, but it is words on cards. And I call it maybe a lack of experience. I don't know. Give it whatever name you want. But I very much saw that as a Kickstarter challenge that I was not willing to embrace. Absolutely. How do you you convey that um, on Kickstarter when there's not a beautiful Gloomhaven box to look at or a beautiful... um, Grim Forest or... Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I mean, amazing. But you know what's funny is I showed Stroop to James Hudson and... He, that man lit up. He's like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. So at least I know the uh, <laughs> the man behind Grim Forest is, is a Stroop supporter, which and, was and, really, really cool. And James was uh, my guest that was published today. The episode that went live today uh, for the podcast was James Hudson from uh, from Druid City Games. Yes, I can't wait to listen to it. Well, let's, uh, let's take a look then. We only have a couple more minutes because now you're moving forward and you're using this project. You've got three games now you're going to have for your game company. You've got Un real estate stroop mm-hmm. and pocket ops. pocket ops yep and one of the things that you've done and some ki- kickstarter project people have out there have done it is that those who didn't get unreal estate or those who who haven't purchased pocket uh, excuse me stroop you're going to make all of those kind of available in your next kickstarter campaign right yes um obviously most of the games will be going to distribution but it seemed like a wise move to create a few backer levels where people who were say late to the party could still get on real estate, could still get Stroop, which has been on pre-order up until about yesterday, um, or could get all three games. People who suddenly go, oh my gosh, this company exists. So uh, I'll be excited to offer Pocket Ops as a product in and of itself, if, if just that is your thing. But um, if you want to become a fan of the guild, you can get all three games, or you can get just on real estate paired with Pocket Ops or Stroop paired with Pocket Ops. All of those will be options. And where can people go to get more information? I'm on Facebook. Uh, just you can search for Grand Gamers Guild. I am on Twitter at Grand Gamers Guild, but take out all the vowels. And then um, <laughs> right. Grand, well, you know, has Stru- uh, Twitter has that character it limit, does. so I had to figure out what to do. So I figured, you know, just drop all the vowels. It still looks like Grand Gamers Guild. Um, and then of course, um, just GrandGamersGuild.com, where. If you are a designer, you could submit designs. If you have a question for me, you can submit a question. If you are a reviewer and you want to get on the queue to review our games, you can do that there too. You can look at where we're going to be and everything that we're involved with. Excellent. Mark, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and sit down and talk to us about your campaign and what you've been doing. It's always great to chat with you, and uh, I think this has been uh, fun for me. Thank you very much for your time. Oh, man, the pleasure is all mine. I, I, yeah, this is, I've been fantastic. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Mark Spector, who owns Grand Gamers Guild. His Kickstarter project is called Pocket Ops, running on Kickstarter from June 6th through, what was it? 26th. 26. 26. 6th through 26th. Be, be sure to take a look at that. We always like to reward and support our guests who are on the show. Hopefully you've heard something interesting and inspiring. I always do, and it's always great to have a great guest. Thanks for listening. Take care.